outside. Jeff Smith, he didn't get there. Fumbles the football. Oklahoma takes over. Hey everybody, welcome to the Inside OU Podcast. Uh, really quick, before we get into everything, I wanted to point out that we only have one microphone today, and I'm holding it, so Keegan is going to be, you know, let's just call it what it is, he's going to be censored a little bit on this podcast, but uh, we are here at Vanessa House. We have been uh, cast into the back, the very back of the brewery, much like Seth McGowan was cast down into the transfer portal. We'll get into that in a little bit, um, but as you all know by now, every Thursday, Vanessa House doing Bingo Bango Songo. Uh, it's emo night again, so all, all the females are going to be here in about T-minus 17 minutes, so that's why we're all the way back here, so we don't disturb or take up the table. Uh, but I am drinking a seltzer. Keegan, what are you drinking? I have my destination wedding. It's summertime. This is a, it, feels, it still feels severe weathery outside, right? Like, it still feels that way. Yeah, today has been very weird. It's thick. Your parents good? Are your parents good? The, down in Norman? Oh, yeah. They um, they live in East Norman. Apparently, all the damage was in West Norman. So, uh, we will rebuild. Norman is a resilient community, and the Taco Bell will be rebuilt. Good as new, if not better. I can only pray. But, no, uh, we got our beers here at Vanessa House. They take good care of us. Broadway and 8th in Oklahoma City. Come on down, please because they're nice people and if you don't come again like I have all your names I have all the information on this podcast about who's listening and I will one by one visit you and annoy you until you come here so I'm gonna go ahead and warn you but yes Keegan Renault, Brady Trantham here for the Inside OU podcast and I guess another apology to everybody out there sorry about whatever the heck I did in the settings on SoundCloud for uh inside OU last week because Thursday's pod did not get dropped to you and I had no choice but to put it up for our patrons at through the keyhole so somebody could listen to it because I thought it was a good show and it was time sensitive because most of what we talked about was about the spring game and that was going to happen 24 hours later so I had to put it out somewhere Uh, but I fixed it clearly because you have now hopefully already listened to our spring game pod or our post game pod that dropped exclusively on through the keyhole, but I felt bad, and you guys, I, I felt like I owed you guys one, so you got to listen to it here on Inside OU. Uh, but yes, you're listening to this one, so everything is fixed. That's my bad. I'm so sorry. Keegan, were you upset at me last week? No. I mean, I, I don't think I was. I didn't have any reason to be. You know I'm very laid back when it comes to stuff like that, because shit happens. Yeah, shit does happen, and uh, I think it was something as simple as I put a comma or some type of grammatical error in the chain URL of the podcast, and I didn't catch it because it was a tiny little grammar thing, so always proofread your work, people. Again, I'm sorry. And also, bear with us on this podcast. I'll probably have to edit a little bit of this to make it a little bit more streamlined since only one microphone, but uh, Christine Butterfield, blame her. She has my other microphone. I loaned it to her. I believe it was Saturday. Yeah, it was the day of the spring game. She went and covered the energy soccer game in Oklahoma City. Gave her my microphone, Keegan, and she still hasn't returned it because I guess I have to uh, I have to tell people, like, hey, I need that back. I mean, you have to tell me all the time to get my stuff done. So it's young people, right? Just blame it on the Zoomers. I guess, no, I'm not a – how do I say this? I lean not Gen Z, more millennial, and you know that. But – 
there's some of the Gen Z qualities in everybody. It's okay. I'll give I'll forgive Christine this one time. It's okay. I don't necessarily watch Bill Maher. Do you know who that is? No clue. No clue. Yeah, I mean, I I assume I should have assumed that, but he had this little soliloquy about Gen Zers and millennials, and um, you know, I'll, I'll probably I'll just send it to you. I'll send it to you after this podcast, Keegan. Uh, we don't obviously we don't need to rehash anything from the spring game, thank God, because everybody that has a subscription to Inside OU has already heard or at least had the opportunity to hear our post game reactions immediately after the spring, well, about two hours after the spring game. So if you haven't heard that yet. Uh, and you're looking forward to us talking about Billy Bowman or Eric Gray or Spencer Rattler in this podcast, please go back and listen to that one uh, from a few days ago. Or you can always subscribe to our Patreon page at Through the Keyhole because our Tuesday pod, we went into further detail, at least Keegan did, about Spencer Rattler's improvements. Because, I mean, Keegan, I mean, we can touch on this just as a little bit of a tease, but you know, our initial reaction a few hours after the spring game on Saturday, eh, we didn't really get a chance to see any improvements from Spencer Rattler because Lincoln Riley didn't necessarily put him in situations to show it off. But then you watched it again a few times and you came to what conclusion? From the aspect of on this podcast, anybody that's listened to us has said that, or we, you know, we've, we've laid out all the reasons that Spencer Rattler needs to perform. Now it's, it's good thing that other people caught on to that. It's weird how that came more about after Saturday, right? It was like, Oh, now I, they see Caleb Williams throw the ball a little bit. Now everybody wants to talk about Spencer Rattler's shortcomings. But we saw some things in the game, and I lay it out in my, my film review as well as we talk about on the podcast, where there were two or three instances where we saw things that weren't consistent enough last fall in terms of coming off option one to come to option two, sliding in the pocket to make throws. I said this on the podcast. I feel a lot better about where I'm at with Spencer Rattler and people that listen to this podcast know Brady's joked about me being a Rattler hater. Other people have joked about me being a Rattler hater. I am on now. I'm like, okay, we saw some progress. It's a little tease for the fall. And then we'll see what he's really about. Come when it's OU Texas and Pete Woodkowski meets him down in Dallas. I mean, Lincoln Riley's got to figure out some way to sell tickets down to Norman. So you got, you got to tease the fan base a little bit. But, uh, yeah, go go to our Patreon page or um, go to the Spring Game Pod that is, once again, available to you inside OU listeners. But the big news of the day today, at least from OU's perspective, is the not-too-shocking news that running back Seth McGowan has been um, – well, I mean, he has entered the transfer portal is, what, uh, is how Jason Kersey – from the athletic uh, worded on his tweet about a you know about three two or three hours ago, um, not shocking in the least. Keegan, um, we we gave a little bit of a update on Trajan Bridges on Tuesday's pod on through the keyhole. Uh, Seth McGowan's name wasn't necessarily mentioned in that little segment uh, for good reason, uh, but this kind of th- this whole thing is just it, it's it's sad for so many reasons. Um, I mean, so many human reasons. It's sad for football reasons, of course, but now at least Lincoln Riley, Oklahoma, they have this kind of, they've washed their hands of Seth McGowan. They may very well have to wash their hands of Trajan Bridges in the near future. Who knows? But uh, at this point, no charges are filed against Seth McGowan. So uh, it seems like OU, you know, no, no bad PR hits from, from this, at least as it stands right now. 
This was the best way they could have handled it so far. I mean, right, there's no charges. You know, this was, we've talked about this. This was the third strike for Seth McGowan, but Brady. And, you know, I, I, I you look at it. I think that, I'm not going to sit here and say this officially or anything. I hope people don't say that like, this is Keegan's reporting this. But this feels very, Seth McGowan's like hovering over that sword before he falls on it. Right? Does it not feel that way? Mm-hmm. It feels very, okay, McGowan's in the portal. What's going on with Bridges? They were together, right? Yeah. Um, now, I mean, we, we, we kind of talked about it um, indirectly because I don't know. I, I don't actually remember what you said in reply when I mentioned that I had seen, like, some verbiage or some files charged in terms against Trajan Bridges. Uh, Seth McGowan's name was not mentioned in that, and that, that makes a lot of sense. But to what you were saying, I mean, yeah, like, the writing's on the wall. Yeah, it is. I, and I, I was trying to make this clear on Tuesday. There were, there's been no t- files. Or t- I've done this I did the files. same shit on Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> there, were, there are no charges filed against Trejan Bridges, but there is a lawsuit because he is not evicted from, or he's not left the premises of, his cottage's house, which they are saying he broke community rules. Basically, he signed off on his lease that he would abide by basically the law. The law, and the, there was a search warrant at you know his cottage's place where he's at, and the firearm was relieved or something, and it broke you know the community guidelines that he signed off on. And they said, okay, we want you out. And that's what came out on Tuesday or came out earlier this week. In that, though, Brady, which was interesting, they did put, you know, I don't know if that was a smart thing by the lawyer, but I'm not a lawyer. I'm not going to comment on that. But said that they expect files to be, charges <laughs> to be filed on uh, Trejan Bridges, which is interesting because, again, Brady, that's the first that we've heard of that. And, you know, if you've listened to this, we've said from the beginning that we've leaned more towards McGowan having issues with the law, but... As more information became available, it was clear that Bridges was more involved than what we were led to believe. Now it's kind of a, okay, McGowan's in the portal. And again, it seems like Brady, he's hovering over that knife. And when Bridges catches his first pass this fall, that will be the time when McGowan has fully fallen um, on the knife. I don't know. I or sword. Sorry. I, you know, I... I don't know. I don't make any bold proclamations or anything, but it's very eerie that McGowan's in the portal and uh, Bridges is not as of today. I mean, are you suggesting that Bridges is going to still be on the team? I mean, I wouldn't say that, like, and nothing's changed in that regard, right? Like, we both feel the same way that we do, that, like, if Bridges was in that apartment and he was ID'd and everything, like, you know, get, you know, wash yourself of those issues. But... It's hard to not read those tea leaves, right? Like, why is McGowan already in the portal and Bridges? That doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make any sense. Well, I mean, I guess so. But Trajan now has, like, some on-paper legal issues to deal with. And, I mean, I'm not a cop. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not going to pretend to be one. But um, I wouldn't – I'm not going to be surprised if Jason Kersey in, what, you know, a day or so says the same thing about Trajan Bridges because – Unfortunately, the transfer portal can fix a lot of things. It can put you in a new situation and give you new opportunity you didn't otherwise have. It can bring you closer to home. One thing it doesn't do is expunge you of legal issues. I'm going to assume it doesn't purify you 
of all the wrongdoing. Now, I'll just go ahead and get this out of the way because I don't want to seem like an insensitive prick, but um, Seth McGowan, Trajan Bridges, whatever happens to both of them, but Seth McGowan, since he's now kind of his OU day playing days are over, Seth McGowan, the football player, yeah, I, I can do away with. Don't, don't need a knucklehead like that on a team, especially when you're going into a year uh, trying to win a national championship. But Seth McGowan, the human being, I don't know the guy, uh, but I don't want I don't want people to fall prey to, you know, the ills of life, especially if they have, you know, a, a, an awesome God-given talent that could you know, lead them to uh, having a happy life, a very successful life. And Seth McGowan certainly has the talent capable uh, if he worked hard, if he cleaned his life up a little bit. Uh, hopefully he does this new opportunity that he could maybe one, one day be in the NFL and make himself and his family a lot of money. So I hope that whatever new opportunity he is given, if he's ever given another one again, um, I hope that he makes wiser decisions. I hope that he learns from this and uh, bounces back. And if he does, then I'll be rooting for him from afar. You will. And you'll, you know, from the biggest thing here too, and we've touched on this and this isn't, this shouldn't be a part of the decision-making Brady. Gowan probably doesn't help you win a playoff game. Trudgeon Bridges helps you win a playoff game. Like, you can't deny the talent that it is. And I made the comment to you on our Patreon, and I, I think it's still clear. That back shoulder throw that Mario Williams was the intended receiver on and then the back shoulder throw Marvin Mims was the intended receiver on, something tells me Trudgeon Bridges was on the ending, was on the, was the receiver. He was on the end of those throws before the spring game, which would make a lot of sense why Rattler took the, <laughs> took those chances, right? Even I know it's a spring game and you want to get Marvin Mims and Mario Williams as much run as you can, but if everything's true with what we've heard over the last nine months about Trudgeon Bridges in practice, it would not surprise me if that was the case. And so, again, I, I don't think that should be part of the decision-making, and I know we don't want to spend a lot of time on this because it's an exhausting conversation and has been. But it's just weird that, you know, McGowan enters the portal and Bridges doesn't. It, you can't ignore that. You, you can't. You just can't. Well, I'm not ignoring it, but what what I'm assuming is, well, it's an ongoing situation. They're not both tied to the hip. They don't have to enter the transfer portal at the same time. Um, if Trajan Bridges is still on the team, I'll be shocked. Now, if it comes out that everything is fabricated, because I don't, I don't know if you were listening to Triple M Ranch Day on franchise with Chisholm, Holland, and Sam Mays, but Sam said that he had a reliable source, and Sam, you know, like, I'll give Sam credit, he doesn't really blow smoke up people's asses when he's on the radio, and he, especially when he uses sources, but he said that uh, a reliable source reached out to him and said that there's a lot of fabrication in terms of this entire situation. Now, I'm inclined to go, well, I mean, I feel like a lot of people are talking about this, and a lot of people have different opinions on it even people that could be close to the situation. But Seth McGowan being in the portal tells me that OU is at least done with him. Now, maybe you're right. Maybe Seth, Trajan Bridges may have done something wrong, uh, something wrong with the law, but not wrong enough that OU feels like they have to divorce themselves from him. Uh, yes, he's broken a team rule already. He's put the team at a disadvantage by being suspended. Uh, with as talented as he is, that is a disadvantage. Uh, but... For all we know, that this could be strike two. This would be a very harsh strike two. And I would hope that Lincoln Riley, I, again, like, I understand, like, all the ins and outs of, like, a normal, like, a situation when a football player gets in trouble or an athlete gets in trouble. But 
just from an optic standpoint, like if it's proven that Trajan Bridges broke the law because he's innocent until proven guilty, but if it's proven, then it'd be hard for me to just say like, yeah, like I want him on the football team. But in terms of like he's been killing it in practice and everything, the way I look at it, the way I look at it is, uh, I guess that was a poor choice of words. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't kill anybody. He's, he, there's no, this isn't a homicide. Could could killed, could have killed someone. Well, I mean, when you get don't bring guns to weed deals, kids. No, um, I, you remember when Doriel Green Beckham was technically on the OU team, right, in 2014? Yeah. Okay, so I look at it, I look at it like this: like Trajan Bridges, very good, very talented man. He's been the best receiver in practice. Blah blah blah. The way I look at it, if he's gone, then it's just something OU's just never going to have because he's not put it together um, since he's been here. Part of it was because he was a freshman on Jalen Hurts' team, and you're not going to get the ball thrown to you that much when Jalen Hurts is your quarterback and you're a fourth, fifth, or sixth option as a pass receiver. And then he broke a team rule. So if he is indeed gone, I don't look at it as, man, OU is, you know, we're in the middle of 2021. Man, OU is, they could have really used Trajan Bridges. Guess what? They never had him in the first place. That's the way I look at it. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing about Bridges and, and you add into this whole conversation again is if Bridges is on the team, then why did they bring in Mike Woods? <laughs> right? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Because as we've noted, and if you go to our film review of Mike Woods where we broke down every play, or I broke down every play, we threw it, but I don't see Mike Woods being a guy that comes in to be the fifth wide receiver on the team, Brady. Like that, watching him and, you know, kind of the antics on the field, the way he plays, you know, everything that goes into it, I I think it's fascinating. So, you know, I'm going to lean on what I've heard because it comes from a very good place. Um, Bridges is, you know, game on the line, Alabama in the playoff. He goes and gets it, and you win. I'm not saying Oklahoma doesn't have another guy like that, Brady, right? But Bridges is, from what we've heard, is the more sure thing of that group. And, you know, that puts a lot of stress on Jaden Hazelwood to get ready and get right by the summer or by the fall, and Theo Weiss to get ready, you know, by the fall. But at the end of the day, I again, I will stand by this, and, and I, I have said this. If he was in that apartment, and he was aware of what was going on. Like, I don't see any way you can keep him on the team, personally. But, again, not my decision, not my time. Um, and, I, again, and I, like, I, we, we always say this, and everybody does with this kind of stuff, Brady, is that I hope the talent doesn't weigh more than what the consequences could be if he sticks around. And, yeah, and that's, that's the whole point. But, again, like, if... If he's gone, I just look at it like DGB. He was on the practice squad with Baker Mayfield. Man, that practice squad probably kicked that team's ass every every day at practice. But um, it's just an option that OU just simply doesn't have the the more details and you know no details have really come out except for the file. Strike three. We did the files being charged. I'm just gonna say it. I'm not gonna correct myself anymore. The files have been charged. Screw you, law. I'm just kidding. Uh, but. This will kind of segue into something we didn't really prepare for at all, Keegan. But um, And I know I've already kind of said that we're not going to talk about the spring game, but um, something we haven't really talked about at all, either on the post-game pod or on Tuesdays through the keyhole pod, 
we, we've been concerned about the wide receiver depth, and especially potentially losing Trey Bridges doesn't help that. Um, seeing a bunch of walk-ons and no-name guys that we didn't know were on the team um, go out there with the, start, with the starting lineups, quote-unquote, is also a tag concerning. I mean, Theo Weiss was not playing. He was hurt or whatever, so we understand that. But something that I don't know if anyone's really ever discussed or really wanted to how much how much of it was just simply like the receivers weren't getting separation because like oh there there's a concern there for whatever reason or can we as OU people like me as an OU fan can we start believing that hey the secondary is really good maybe that has something to do with the fact the receivers aren't really blowing it up in practice and that's why Lincoln Riley um, is really challenging them to raise their game to another level because they're going up against a secondary that I mean absolutely looked the part. I think very highly of DJ Graham, Woody Washington, who didn't play in the spring game. Uh, there's a lot of other guys. Key Lawrence, you were high on on the post-game pod as well. There's a lot of guys in that secondary that if they can get together, gel together, play at their you know highest capability, that secondary can kick a lot of ass. And so I'm curious, like, everything coming out of the spring, out of spring camp about the receivers has been kind of like, uh, uh. I don't know. How much of that do you think could be attributed to just the secondary kick and some ass? A little give and go, right? Because we heard the talk out of last year was about how good the corners and secondary was playing. And clearly, maybe the wide receivers not being as talented as they had been in the past had a little bit to do with that, right? Like, you heard positive things about Trey Brown. You heard positive things about Trey Davis. You know, and I, I don't think those guys like underperformed or underwhelmed last year by any means, but they surely didn't live up to the preseason fall camp talk and chatter. So I think that when you look at it, can the secondary look the part because the wide receivers aren't where they need to be yet? I think there's a there's an opportunity for that, Brady. But what is it fair to say that at this point that Alex Grinch has this defense coached up well enough to where they – aren't just getting shredded in practice, I think that's also a possibility. I mean, we laid this out in the film review. There were certain plays where the linebackers knew exactly what was coming in certain plays in certain instances. So, you know, like, I think it's a give a little give and take, right? But at the end of the day, like, this group just has to be better. And I know you mentioned the whole walk-on thing. It was Devin Staten who was on, you know, when they had the distinguished ones on the field with the offensive line, the other wide receivers. Devin Staten did come out. Mike Woods helps with this. Theo Weiss's health does help with this. But also, too, you have to note that Oklahoma's been recruiting elite wide receivers for the last three years, four years. Like, this is the kind of stuff that comes with that. I mean, you're – you look at quarterback. Like, they only have two really elite quarterbacks on campus – and, like, Lincoln's betting on if one guy gets hurt, the other guy's going to be fine. And I think that's what they're doing at wide receiver. It makes the depth a little more thin than what you'd like. But if you want the Mario Williams of the world, if you want the Talon Shetrons and the Jordan Hudsons, you know, the Relique Browns of the world, like, you got to, you know, the give and take's got to be the give and take. And I think, you know, do I wish it could be deeper? Yeah, and I've even, like, alluded to, it's always amazing to me, and I pointed this out, you know, earlier this week. Like, it's always amazing to me that, like, Dylan Stoner graduates from OSU, Brady, and they've got a guy that replayed, that can replace exactly what he did. Like, Oklahoma, and this isn't 
they've had more receivers, you know, over the last four years. This is no comparison to either or. But it is funny to me that, like, other programs don't have that problem with depth at wide receiver. But because of the way Oklahoma's recruiting elite receivers, this is the kind of stuff that will come with it. Yeah, and, I mean, that's always the kind of gamble you're taking when you do rack in four or five stars at a, an alarming rate at a particular position because you're going to lose that solid depth, like that solid third, fourth, fifth option that OU enjoyed because they weren't racking in five-star, four-star receivers at the rate that Lincoln Riley and the staff has done, like you said, in the last three years. That's just kind of the it's the uh, the gamble that you're taking, but it's the gamble that you must take. If you're wanting to win national championships, you've got to go for it. You can't think about, well, what if this guy gets hurt? Like that OU fans, how many times did OU fans complain when Trevor Knight was quarterback about, like, let him run? And then some other person would say, well, he'd get hurt. Who Okay, it's football. So it's just a gamble, but... Uh, let, let's segue into something, Keegan, that's going to be so silly to talk about on a podcast an hour before the draft and then put it out You know, after the draft has kind of already taken place after the first few picks. But uh, one thing we do know for sure, probably, uh, no OU player is going to be taken in the top five or top ten. So uh, I feel like we can talk about it right now. We're recording this around 610. Um, so hopefully this is out in about an hour. And guys like Creed Humphrey, Ronnie Perkins are still waiting to hear their names called. But... I mean, just right off the bat, I've already seen like some chatter about Creed Humphrey potentially getting picked higher than what we expect. Maybe the first round I've heard uh, Pitts- Pittsburgh as a possible destination, and that makes a lot of just awesome sense. I mean, when you think about Pittsburgh's offenses over the years and uh, their offensive lines being the strengths of their teams for the most part. Shout out Kamyar Moravian, who hates everything about Pittsburgh now, except for, um, well, probably everything. Ben Roethlisberger's washed, but... You need someone to block, and Creed Humphrey seems like a guy that can uh, be your stalwart center for a 10-year run, at the very least, so that makes a lot of sense. Ronnie Perkins still holding out hope that someone just falls in love with him in the 20s, the late 20s, to get OU a first-round pick, but I'll ask you a quick question. What's more likely, OU gets a first-round pick in this draft, or a defensive back is drafted in the first three rounds? OU getting a guy drafted tonight, and... You know, you, you look at it, and like you said, with Pittsburgh, with Pouncey uh, retiring and they, them needing a center, you know, a lot of the talk, and this is crazy, but credit some of our OU brethren on the uh, unofficial 40. They were the first ones until today that I saw, Brady, that floated the idea of Creed at 24 to Pittsburgh. And it sounds like your Miami Dolphins may be interested in Najee Harris at 18. Yeah. And with that being said, if that gets Creed in the first round, you know, that would be the highest drafted interior offensive lineman since Duke Robinson. That's a long time for OU. You know, they've had a bunch of tackles get taken, um, you know, high in the draft, but they haven't had an interior guy. And I think you look at it, like, this can only benefit what Will Beanbow does on the recruiting trail if Creed Humphrey ends up in the first round. So from a tape perspective, it's kind of shocking to see his meteor, like the rise of the last month, right? Because like he was a guy, and I think he would probably tell you, like, he didn't improve all that much from 18 to 20. And we talked about this. I think guard play does have a lot to do with it over 19 and 20 that, you know, not having Drew Samia and Ben Powers has more to do with it than anything. But at the end of the day, it'd be great for Oklahoma. You know, I don't see Trey Brown. I saw like 112 and a half. 112 and a half. 
was like Trey Brown's over under to getting picked, and I'm like, man, am I missing so like has something happened to where he's gonna go in the fourth round? You know, like that hasn't even been a topic of conversation for him. I see more days or you know, round six, round seven for Trey, and then maybe round five at the highest. But yeah, I think there's a more likely chance someone gets picked tonight, um, opposed to you know, a DB getting drafted, and I, I don't, you know, we don't want to spend a lot of time discussing the rest of the draft already. Man, it feels like, I said this earlier today, last year was like a relief, right? Man, we've got something to talk about, we got something to watch, controversy, polarizing prospects, everything, the whole nine yards, or whole, you know, whole 11 yards, whole, whole nine yards. That works. Whatever, whatever it may be. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I, like, like, this is the first draft that I've been in a, probably ever where I am, like, legitly invested in my mind in the, what San Francisco is going to do at number three. So I love the fact that the draft is here. If Cree doesn't go tonight, it'll be early tomorrow, probably first ten picks tomorrow in that 33 to 40 range. I've, the Miami Dolphins are sitting there at 36, Brady. <clears throat> I've heard a lot of things about Creed Humphrey and the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, I mean – as I sit here in my Tua Tungabailoa Miami Dolphin jersey, um, the thought of potentially getting Kyle Pitts, Najee Harris in the first round just makes me so giddy. That is, if Tua, if you're not it, with those weapons plus what Miami already has, they've already got two great tight ends. Like they're gonna have to get if they get Kyle Pitts, they'll have to trade one of them. Uh, but <laughs> if you can't get it done with that with those cats, then you're just simply never gonna be able to get it done at the NFL level. But um, I'm. You're right. Like with Bill Beanbow, if Creed is is obviously able to get drafted in the first round, that's obviously great for recruiting. OU's not necessarily been hurting interior line recruiting, and I mean, in my opinion, I mean they're fairly set right now. We'll see what the future holds. This would certainly help if Creed got drafted in the first round. But I'm just kind of like, it would be great if Ronnie got drafted in the first round because it would be another small victory that OU desperately needs. Hey, we had a, a second consecutive year of a defensive player getting drafted in the first round, you know, in year two of a new defensive coordinator. So if you, you hear all these buzzwords about culture change and when they're on the recruiting trail, like we're starting something great here on defense. It's not just an offensive-minded team. Like it's a fully balanced team. This would be another feather in the cap to that kind of recruiting angle. When you're going into other, um, other families' uh, living rooms trying to recruit them to come to OU and they're a defensive player, um, yeah, it's not like the most flashiest thing in the world, but it's a victory OU hasn't been able to pin their hat on um, in some time. And if they're able to get, if Ronnie's able to sneak into the first round, I mean, that would be great. So um, another question for you, like what is more important, Creed going in the first or Ronnie going in the first? You know, hmm, Ronnie not having the pro day that a lot of us expected him to have from an athletic profile perspective probably hurt his stock, right? Because... You know, he, I'm not going to say the off-the-field issues were, like, era a major red flag, but there were a lot of teams doing a bunch of research on Ronnie Perkins, the person. And, you know, his tape is great, Brady, but there's the athletic, you know, athleticism side that he didn't test that great. You have the off-the-field issue, which is not a huge issue, right, except for, you know, the Iowa State thing where he showed up and wasn't, you know, then didn't show up and down in Dallas for the Texas game. So Ronnie's going to go mid second round, late second round, early third in that range. It'd be great for Oklahoma, though, 
right? I mean, wherever Ronnie Perkins gets drafted, Ronnie is going to play 10 years in the NFL. Like, there's no doubt in my mind. And I said this today on the franchise. Guys with that kind of mentality, with that kind of motor, with that kind of ability, stick around in this league for a long time. People that, football players that can be told, hey, go hit that guy, and they just go and do it, and they listen to what that's being said, those guys typically stick around for a while. And so wherever Ronnie gets drafted, it will be great for Oklahoma. Um, You know, but I just don't think, I I think if he would have had a better pro day and better numbers, Brady, we'd be talking about him in the early second, into the first round range. But, you know, he's kind of a tweener. And when you're a tweener, you got to test well, and when you don't test well, this is what kind of is the result of that. Well, the name that I don't hear ever, like, because you you can hear about the defensive backs, and the whole thing with them is just like, will any of them get drafted in a, a surprisingly low round, or is this going to be like a six round or a, you know, an undrafted free agency signing? If you're talking about like a guy like Trey Norwood, but a name I I don't hear ever really discussed when it comes to OU draft picks is Adrian Neely. Like, where have you seen any anything about him in regards of because it's kind of the same thing with like with Ronnie Perkins um, in that since there was no combine if Adrian Ely would have been able to get um, invited to the combine he's a guy that potentially could have won over some guy won over some uh, suits some scouts what have you um, rather than just relying on the tape because I mean just from our discussions all last year you know it was kind of up and down with Adrian Ely he's never he never was able to really put it all together according to uh, what we were told he was potentially going to be uh, getting recruited out of high school. He would have really benefited probably from another year with this team, with a regular offseason, a more defined just kind of understanding of, like, this is what you need to work on as an individual player, and this will get you drafted potentially in the second, you know, maybe even late first round because the physical tools and talent is there. It's just he's never been able to put it or put it together fully. So, like, what are you hearing about his draft prospects? I think he's the guy that after the Senior Bowl, there was a lot of people that liked the tools he had, and then he came and tested as like one of the worst tackles to ever test. And when your tape isn't consistent, and your tape for two years at a prime position isn't consistent, you have to test. Them. I mean. There's no if, ands, or buts about it, and I think that was a conversation we had about Ely. But I hate to put two and two together here, you know, compare these guys. No, I don't think a lot of people thought Bobby Evans would go as high as he did either. You know, I, I think there's a lot of people questioning Bobby Evans coming out the year that he did, and he went in the third round. If Adrian Ely didn't have Oklahoma tied to his name, like I would probably think he's an undrafted guy. But the fact that he had done, he is from Oklahoma, that he was coached by Bill Bimbo, which is a lot of people at the next level of respect, I could see him getting go like fourth, fifth round, like surprise some people and go, you know, early day three. But this is a guy that needed a lot of work, you're right, um, kind of like Brown did, or Bobby Evans did. Um, you know, so mm, Oklahoma could have used him this year. Could they? Can they get somebody that is better than Adrian Ely? Yes. And I think whenever that's your answer, I don't know what his career in the NFL is going to be. That's the unfortunate thing. But, hey, someone told him he can go make some money. And with him making that decision, I mean, I, I can't blame him. If someone told me, go make all this money doing what you already do, 
um, I would have a hard time listening to someone else saying, no, 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 keep doing it this way. So more power to Adrian Ely. Good luck to him. Uh, I mean, nothing really with the defensive backs. We've talked enough about Trey Brown. I think we were all fairly shocked that Trey Norwood just really capitalized off of his, uh, I mean, really just made himself into a playmaker. Like it, it was one of the more shocking pivots individually by an OU player that I can remember of a guy that you had seen plenty of during his career, and he'd also been hurt, but you'd seen plenty of it, of his play, that you knew what he was. And then he all of a sudden just, you know, it wasn't just a simple case of that he was in the right place at the right time. He was in the right place at the right time a few times, but he also caught the ball. And then he started just making plays as a result. So he uh, just kind of saw it and was like, all right, I'm going to let these younger guys have their chances. I'm going to go try and make, take my chances in the NFL as Keegan spills his beer on his laptop, uh, his destination wedding from Vanessa house, which is so tasty. You know what? If I were you, I'd just like, I just licked that up right there. You know, we're in the back. So no one will see. Uh, but anything else draft wise, it doesn't even have to be really OU related. It doesn't have to be Miami dolphin related. I've already talked about this enough. Like Atlanta needs to get off their ass and trade down give the Dolphins the number four pick, or just guarantee them that, yeah, we're going to go after Trey Lance and uh, just be insignificant for the next 10 years. But, um, I mean, the Aaron Rodgers thing is interesting. Oh. The Aaron Rodgers thing is always interesting. Uh, but to me, I'm just, I'm just like, Devontae Smith as an individual talent, like the size isn't there, but, God, all we did was saw, was watch him make plays and just make plays. And yes, he's in Alabama's offense, and he's not going to have the type of spacing that he enjoyed on the football field at Alabama that he's going to have to see in the NFL. But I mean, at once upon a time, the Dolphins had the number three pick, and Kyle Pitts wasn't like on everybody's like wish list. And there were a lot of early mocks that had Devontae Smith going to the Dolphins, and I just thought, man, like. Having a special type of playmaker, like you can't put value on that. It's just like if he's available, if if someone like if someone passes on him, like in seven, eight, nine, or ten, or wherever he's projected to get a safer pick, quote unquote, that could potentially just be like a what are you doing? Brady will edit this, but he needs to leave a little bit of quietness on that. Um, I think Rogers make a trade that tonight, and that's. Again, not my report, and you're going to hear this after the fact. But Raiders, Broncos, that looks like you have a poor Teddy. You uh, you have one report from the Broncos play-by-play guy, the radio play-by-play, said that he's being told that that could happen, and then obviously uh, it's going to be hard to miss the connection here. But I uh, I don't I, I I think it could be happening. So I uh, Brady. Rodgers literally told the Green Bay Packers, I am not going to show up in Green Bay and I'm going to go do Jeopardy. That happened. In 2021. I made the joke about it on Twitter earlier, but, like, that is so 20, like, this day and age. Like, is he a a Zoomer? Like, is Aaron Rodgers deep? Is he, like, actually 19 years old? Or, like, what the f*** are we doing? Because, like, I said this, you know, I don't know if you heard my segment with Sam Chisholm today. Like, he doesn't seem like a guy that would do that, right? He seems very... What? Like, in terms of, like, Rodgers, in terms of, like, whenever he plays the game of football, he plays with the passion of a guy that loves to play football, right? So, like, him just saying, nah, screw it, I'm done, I'm just going to go do Jeopardy because I don't want to play in Green Bay, like, that just doesn't make much sense to me, right? Like, 
in my head when you watch them and you watch the tape and you do this and you do that. So, with that being said, Rodgers threw a wrench into everything tonight. Like, if San Fran wants to trade, right, like make a trade here from three, like they have to take the quarterback that the Packers want or the player that the Packers want, right? So, like, if it's Justin Fields at three, like, does that mean Justin Fields is about to get shipped off to Green Bay? Does Atlanta, do they want to move up Ryan? I mean, we've got 35 minutes before this goes down. The Broncos pick at nine, so we've got a little, probably two hours until the Broncos pick, but fascinating. Um, and I think, again, this, you know, pay attention to this because, like, Oklahoma quarterbacks are going to be right in the situation here soon. Not saying, like, force their way out of Cleveland or Arizona or wherever Rattler ends up or you know, so on and so forth, but it definitely seems like the opportunity is going to be there for them, right? Like, whenever these quarterbacks from Oklahoma get to the chance to where, you know, Baker signs his next deal, and if things don't go well in Cleveland, then he's still playing well. Okay, now the, you know, the president has been set. Okay, does raise hell, say that I don't want to play for this final year, and I'm done, trade me. And so, again, I think that this could be something, like Kyler Murray, if, you know, if it's a sinking ship with Cliff Kingsbury, you know, go ahead and, and raise the white flag from that ship. We'll come get you, and then we'll ship you off to somewhere else. Baker, I don't know if you have much of a choice in Cleveland, but Rattler's coming in, and he's kind of like that. And, you know, I I just I think it's something to pay attention to because I think this is going to be an opportunity for these quarterbacks from Oklahoma here um, down the line. And I'm not going to – I don't have sources. Sources. I'm not the one. Sauces. But I think he's going to be traded tonight. And I love it. I love it. I want chaos. Chaos is exactly what the NFL draft is for, and that's what we need. Well, now I'm embarrassed to bring this up because uh, you're just going to think that I uh, I, I pawned it from your, um, from your buddy, Ian. Uh, but I had mentioned this to you before about Aaron Rodgers because I did remember um, – that year, and what was it, 2004? Yeah, 2004, Cal went, like they, they lost one game, and it was to USC, who was the eventual national champion. But Cal is a one-loss uh, Pac-10 team. Uh, they didn't win anything. The Pac-10 didn't have a championship game, so uh, um, they thought they should have been an at-large uh, BCS team. And, of course, that went to uh, Utah coached by Urban Meyer, and Utah played the Big East champion who had a, for some reason, had a BCS tie-in, mainly because of the Miami Hurricanes, uh, and they played Pittsburgh. Utah beat the crap out of Pittsburgh, who had no business being there. It should have been Utah and Cal. Like, that would have been a much better game. Uh, but, yeah, so Cal gets the Holiday Bowl invite. And, like, a lot of Pac-10 teams before and after, because it was always the second-place Pac-10 team versus the third- or fourth-place Big 12 team, they would go into the Holiday Bowl and think, I don't want to play this 8-4 and four no-name team. And that Pac-10 team would always lose. And Texas Tech did beat the living shit out of Cal that night. And I still remember, like, I still remember um, Aaron Rodgers' face pregame when he's, like, warming up. He looked like such a little pouty kid that I was like, eh, I don't know that much about him. I don't really like him. And so when the Dolphins passed on him in the draft, I was like, good. Seems like a piss ant. And I've been, uh, I've been wrong ever since. But no, this doesn't shock me. It just feels like the Packers aren't doing what they should be able to in order to maximize like his career, but the Packers are a team and they're you know, they're wanting to also think about life after Aaron Rodgers because they are a team that will 
go on, whereas Aaron Rodgers will retire at some point. So I, I get both sides. They've got Devontae Adams. They bring in experienced vet wide receivers every year, Brady. They've got an all-pro left tackle. They've got a pretty good offensive line whenever it's not hurt. They just committed to Aaron Jones, who helps Aaron Rodgers in the past game as a, as a safety blanket. Now, you hear that Rodgers has no influence on draft day, and then you hear the comments from Kyler three days ago, Kyler Murray, former Oakland quarterback of the Arizona Cardinals, and he says that he's going to be in the war room with Arizona during this. A third-year player is going to have influence on the draft, but a 38-year-old, maybe one of the best quarterbacks in the history of the game, he is one of the best quarterbacks in the history of the game, you're telling me he's had no influence on what Green... I would be pissed. Hell, I'm pissed whenever I don't have a voice in any opinion, right? Like, I can imagine being Aaron Rodgers. So, I think it's a fail in that aspect of, at some point, you'll disagree with me here. And But with this next quarterback and with the attitudes of these kids coming up, Brady, they're going to have to soften on the we're Green Bay... We're the Green Bay Packers. This is what we do. This is how we operate. Because quarterbacks aren't going to want to come to that. They're just not. They're not going to be comfortable in that. Like, these kids just aren't the same these days, man. And, like, with Rodgers, right? Like, they brought you in to replace Brett Favre before Favre moved on. <laughs> now, Favre, that was part of the reason why Favre, Favre moved on. But, like, I don't get why he's pointing towards them picking Jordan Love homie, you're 37. They have to look out for themselves just a little bit, right? You know? So I think it goes hand in hand. I, I just It's clearly a relationship in Green Bay, Brady, that seems very ominous, right? Like in terms of just franchise to quarterback, quarterback to franchise. It just does not seem like it's clicking anymore. And usually when that happens, things go down and I made the joke this morning. Did I not hit the nail on the head any more than I did whenever I said uh, Rodgers and his camp were probably pissed that everybody shot down the San Francisco rumors this morning? Adam Schefter was probably on the other side of that phone call and was like, what, 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 what? And then Aaron Rodgers forces a trade out of Green Bay. Could be happening or not? Well, we'll see. Um, my friend Matt Kimber would very much love Aaron Rodgers over Mac Jones. He's a 49ers fan. So. Oh, poor him. Oh, <laughs> oh, even if they take Lance, like, poor him. Lance is the anti, like, Josh Allen, Brady. He's not accurate. No, and, like, everybody thinks that with Josh Allen and his progression last year, right? Like, that's not normal. He's an outlier for that, right? So, again, I would be very disappointed if it's Trey Lance. No, I, I actually watched a few Trey Lance games this year. And I just came away going, well, he's big and he's very athletically he's gifted. He's got a very strong arm, but the accuracy was kind of like all over the place. And I was shocked that I expected like, okay, like he's a legit athlete who happens to play at a smaller school at North Dakota State. They've been very successful, yes. But um, I was just shocked at how inaccurate he was given my expectations. Maybe I expected too much, but um, yeah, you're right. Like the Josh Allen thing, I'm still shocked Josh Allen was awesome last year and I'm not 100% certain that he'll continue that for all we know like last year was weird for a lot of reasons and maybe one of the weird things that happened was Josh Allen randomly had an MVP type season so time will certainly tell 
Uh, Keegan, you got to get out of here because you're going to do a fun little Zoom thing uh, for the Through the Keyhole Patreon page. Uh, but my last question, last thought, we don't spend that much time on it. Did you watch the Texas spring game? No, and I know what you're referencing, so go ahead. I, I, this, that was the first time I saw it as well. Yeah, what the fuck was that? Uh, was that legitimate? It was legitimate, but I also, like, I don't know. I don't think it was a real play, but, like, why? Like, why even, why, 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 right? Why? Like, just why? You can ask that about Texas a lot, but everybody, thank you so much for bearing with us on this one. Apologies for only one microphone. It's going to hamper a little bit of the fluidity of the podcast but i'll try to do my best in post to make sure that it's a little bit more seamless than how we recorded it but thank you once again to vanessa house brewery uh my favorite brewery awesome beer awesome vibe awesome people um awesome time especially when the weather's great like it is today they have the garage door open you can sit outside you can sit inside and have a good time they got tvs watch anything you want just ask them they'll put it put it, any game on hell they'll put baseball on and Keegan, to explain my whole baseball thing from today. Um, you know, I, I do the Thunder Post game shows. And for the most part, it's been a little bit uh, less fun this year for, you know, very obvious reasons. Uh, but I do still enjoy doing them. They're, it's, it's good reps, you know, talking on the radio, even though I know no one's listening. But it's still, you know, fun for me to do. It's a great opportunity for Christine, for Ryan Chapman, for Matt Burton, you know, younger people that are trying to make it in this business as well. It's great reps. Um, but I, I won't get into it because uh, it, it's decisions over my head, but I'll just tell you that I just love baseball. I love it to death, and I, I also like that um, a team can play upwards of nine days in a row, uh, especially when stuff like the draft odds are going to be announced, and that's very important around here because, you know, now, we used to have a free agency show on July 1st at midnight. We'd do an hour-long show because it was very important. And now, like, that's not important. So we're going to be do. We, we would like to do, like, a draft odds show, but um, teams play nine days in a row. But you know what? I get it now. But you know what? I get it's, it. It's not for me to say. It's not for me to say. Um, it's not for me to say. Everybody, thank you very much for listening to the Inside OU podcast. I love you all. For Keegan, this is Brady. Y'all have a good one.